Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. And we are strong as steel as we welcome you to what should be a very energetic week three of this 2016 college football season. Great to have you with us, everybody. Glad you're tuned in to Strong as Steel. I'm Michael Regai, and as always, joined by my partner, the preeminent, the top analyst that we have in college football and the author of Phil Steele's college football preview. Phil Steele. What's going on, Phil? You feel the energy already? You betcha. You know, Michael, even though last weekend wasn't uh, one of those that everybody was talking about, in fact, everybody thought it was going to be an under-the-radar type of weekend, a lot of great college football last weekend, and this weekend definitely hyped. We got four ranked versus ranked matchups, and we're going to touch them all on this week's podcast. Yeah, we are, and welcome to it, everybody. We're so glad that you get locked in with us. You can do this each and every week. Now, we want you to join the show with us, and you've got multiple ways to do that. You can give us a call. number you need to lock in with is 646-668-2248. That's 646-668-2248. You also can do it on Twitter, at PhilSteel042, at Michael Regai, our producer, always with us and always on time. Jim Nabosna at Jim Nabosna, N-A-B-Z-O-N-A as well. All right, we appreciate you being with us. Phil, let's start this week. A tremendous uh, amount of controversy and uh, game hanging in the balance that was affected by what turned out to be an erroneous call as uh, Central Michigan was um, awarded an untimed down and quarterback Cooper Rush and wide receivers Jesse Kroll and Corey Willis completed uh, what turned out to be a thrilling game-winning hook and lateral touchdown pass to beat 
Oklahoma State. Now, afterwards, the MAC officiating crew and the Big 12 replay crew were uh, both uh, admonished, suspended for a couple of weeks because the call was erroneous. Central Michigan was not to be given a, an untimed down to run a play. Uh, give your thoughts on that. How fuzzy and clouded were you about it? And uh, as it turned out, what can college football do going forward? Well, you know, uh, Michael, this is one which, uh, you know, has gotten a lot of national publicity, so we don't want to spend too much time on it. But bottom line is, uh, you know, I followed college football for a long time, and I always thought if you accepted a penalty on the final play of the game, didn't know that this nondescript thing was uh, was in the rule book saying that if it was the final play of the game and you're on offense, it doesn't matter. Uh, but I, I thought for the game, Central Michigan played a very good game, might have even outplayed Oklahoma State. So I'm not disappointed that they won the game and, and won it, but uh, I think in the future maybe look at that rule in particular. But now everybody knows the rule, so something like this won't happen again. And I think it was just one of those one-time incidents. Yeah, and let's hope uh, that uh, is to be the case, uh, to be sure. Central Michigan, well, with that win, after their opening night win on Presbyterian, off to a uh, 2-0 and start in Oklahoma State, uh, we'll see where Mike Gundy's squad goes from there. Again, we mentioned 646-668-2248. Phil told you we're going to touch on four huge top 25 matchups today, but let's get it rolling with you, with the great state of uh, Alabama making their presence felt. Here's Sky. Welcome to Strong as Steel. Sky, how are you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, uh, especially uh, um, considering that, that I get to talk to the to the man, Phil Steele. Phil, thank you uh, for having me on. I look forward to uh, look forward to listening to future podcasts as well. How do we, first of all, how do we tune tune in to podcasts? Well, you could go to the uh, website, click on the link, and then it will actually uh, be on uh, iTunes a little later on in the day as well. So, uh, if you want to listen to it live, we provide the links on my Twitter, which is at Phil Steele zero four two. Put it up on the website. And then it is on iTunes as soon as they post it up a little bit later in the day. All right, fantastic. Just a little shameless plug for the man. Phil, what I wanted to talk to you about is the Auburn-Texas A&M game. I'm an Auburn fan, and what I witnessed against Clemson in their first game uh, on defense was spectacular. But on offense, it looked like uh, Gus had lost his mojo (laughs) from from the Jeremy Johnson implosion last year. But he finally settled on a quarterback in Sean White and put over put up over 700 yards against an inferior opponent. But I, I feel like, man, Gus really needed that game to get some confidence back in his play calling. What do you think about the A&M-Auburn game this weekend, brother? All right, Sky, and uh, I definitely appreciate you calling in, and hopefully you'll be a, a frequent caller during the podcast. Uh, and let's take a look at this Auburn and Texas A&M matchup this week. And uh, I think you might call this one the hot seat bowl because uh, both Kevin Sumlin and uh, Gus Smalls and I are a couple of coaches that are uh, on the hot seat, and uh, the loser of this one could be in some big-time trouble. As you pointed out correctly, Sky, love the way Auburn's offense bounced back last week, 706 yards on the offensive side of the ball. They will hit you in numerous ways. They can hit you, uh, you know, on reverses. Uh, they're going to pull a surprise anywhere about there. I think with a mobile quarterback, they're at their best. And Sean White is not an immobile quarterback. Remember last year, he didn't get a lot of practice in the fall. 
uh, was a little banged up and maybe not as mobile. I like the fact he showed some mobility last week. I think that helped the offense out a lot. A&M's got some dangerous pass rushers, though, two of the best defensive ends in the country. They're, they're getting much stronger on the rush D. That was their, one of their main focuses coming in. They've got a couple of big defensive tackles in there, and after giving up some yards per carry on the ground last year, they're only giving up 1.8 yards per carry this year. I think Auburn does have that defense with Carl Lawson back. I think these two teams are very close. The fact Auburn's at home, and I give them a slight defensive edge, and I like the way the offense progressed last week. I see Auburn coming out of here with a win, but it should be a great ball game in the SEC. Thanks for the call, Sky. Yeah, it's good. I, I like the way you uh <laughs> the two coaches already squarely on the hot seat in this one, Phil. That's uh that's kinda obvious. These rabid fan bases, uh I not gonna put up with losing seasons either uh, at Auburn or Texas A and M. No question about that. Six four six 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 eight twenty two forty eight. That's the number to call in. And with us on Strong is Still, Phil Stills here. I'm Michael Regai. Let us uh, keep rolling here. Great state of Ohio with some uh, some thoughts about uh, a football team, Phil. I, you know, Tom Herman and his Houston Cougars have uh, been extraordinary here early on. Here's Jeff from here in Ohio. Jeff, welcome to Strong is Steel. How are you? Good. How are you guys doing? Terrific. Go right ahead. Yeah, interested in this Thursday night matchup. I know Houston's looking good after the first two weeks. Do you think Cincy's got to transfer some, or do you think it's still a long shot? All right, appreciate that. Uh, and this figures to be a very entertaining Thursday night matchup. You know, Houston looks so dominant in their opening game win over uh, Oklahoma. Once they got that field goal return for a touchdown, pretty much took control from there. Uh, and uh, rolled up 410 yards offense against a good Oklahoma defense. But I think this can be a dangerous game for Houston this week because you remember last year's game when these two played, Cincinnati was not having its best season. Basically everything that could go wrong went wrong for Cincinnati. Yet at Houston they had a 589 to 427 yard edge. So they outgained them uh, by a bunch of yards last year. Uh, did need a, a late touchdown to pull within three, but uh, when you look at Cincinnati this year, despite the new receiving core, I like the replacements they got coming in. A Devin Gray and Nate Cole, a couple of guys that uh, are pretty solid there. Hayden Moore, not having an exceptional season so far, but a good one, and uh, he won the QB job, and I think where you're going to see the biggest improvement Cincinnati's on the defense. Now, they gave up 504 yards to Purdue, but a lot of that was after the fact last week. They got out to a big lead and then sort of let up a little bit. Uh, I think you'll see a, a good defense for Cincinnati on the field. You've got Greg Ward back at QB for Houston after sitting out last week. Duke Catalan, the Texas transfer, is back at running back after sitting out last week. So they'll be on full force. It's a national TV game, so you're going to get that shot from Houston as well. I think this could be a highly competitive game, and I'm going to call for it to be decided by less than a touchdown. I think it comes right down to the wire. And uh, Cincinnati's fan base is usually pretty good at home. I think they will be here as well. I think this will be a fun watch, fun one to watch on Thursday night. Thanks for the call there, Jeff. Tommy Tuberville usually always uh, gets his football teams to rise to the occasion. And, Phil, I'm with you on that, too. I think we all expected Gunnar Keel, the well-traveled uh, college football QB, to uh, win this job this year, but um, good results so far as uh, the uh, the choice for Tommy Tuberville was Hayden Moore. Yeah, and uh, you know when you when you look at Moore, he was a guy that uh, Tuberville talked about last year. Uh, he had mm-hmm. said with Hayden Moore, he said that uh, he's a guy that 
uh, is going to be the longtime starter here. He thought he was definitely going to be the replacement for Keel. Then when Keel got injured, he was thrown in the mix and looked great. I mean, his first game, he, he lights it up against Memphis, threw for 620 yards. You're thinking, wow, this team's offense. But then you look at that bowl game against San Diego State, and Hayden Moore struggled. I mean, uh, they only had 279 yards. Granted, San Diego State's got an excellent defense. And Moore's start this year, I thought it was uh, a little iffy against UT Martin in the opener, only thrown for 260 yards there. Last week, only 250, but Cincinnati's running the football more. They're bringing more tight ends into the offense. They're concentrating more on the run game, getting away from the spread. And if you remember Tuberville, when he stepped in uh, at uh, Texas Tech, I, I think, and when he was at Auburn, at Auburn he brought in the spread, and he's like, you know what, let's go back to my style of offense. He's never been a pure spread guy, but he's been running the spread. Well, he lost his offense coordinator this year. They have a, an offense that's going more to a running attack. You're going to see more usage of the tight ends, and I think Hayden Moore is a good fit for that offense, and uh, maybe he's a little bit better of a leader, and that's why he won the job. Keep close tabs on uh, Tom Herman bringing his Houston Cougars into Nippert Stadium coming up. Uh, that'll be tomorrow night to get the college football weekend kicked off. We're delighted you're part of Strong as Steel. I'm Michael Regai. My partner, Phil Steele, is here. And you can jump on board uh, as uh, we've already heard uh, from Sky and uh, Greg do here on the show. The number you can dial in with is 646-668-2248. That's 646-668-2248. Now, Phil, this week I happen to be uh, taking a look at uh, your Steel's Weekly Preview. Steel'sWeeklyPreview.com inside the press box. Man, you have had a, a most impressive uh, first couple of weeks inside the press box. The winds are, are rolling for you, young man, early on. Yeah, it started out pretty good. And, you know, last year was a good season as well. And uh, I, I put a lot of work into it. And the beautiful thing about the Inside the Press Box newsletter, which is, by the way, available, you can get a free preview of it at steelsweeklypreview.com. That's steelsweeklypreview.com. But the beautiful thing of it is it gives you a projected box score on every game. And I'm talking about yards rushing, yards passing, and points. And you'd be amazed, Michael, what I do at the end of every Saturday night, I'm going through the uh, box scores of the games, and I write them down right next to what the computer forecasts, and I circle all mm -hmm. the games where you're within 25 yards rushing, 25 yards passing, or within three points. I've got circles all over the page. It's almost like seeing the box score in advance. And then what I do is I look at what the computer's forecasting. A lot of times I agree with it, but there's numerous cases, especially this week, where I disagree with what the computer has. And I give you my personal forecast. And at the end of all of it, I give you my six or seven best plays for the week. And so far they're off to a great start, 10-3 and three in the Inside the Press Box newsletter, which is a nice start to the football season. And last year was an excellent season as well. So hopefully we can keep it rolling this year, and I think we will. And uh, once again, to get a free preview of it, go to SteelsWeeklyPreview.com, SteelsWeeklyPreview.com, and check out those projected box scores. You're going to love them. I might add, you also uh, you also came away uh, a winner uh, the the first week of the NFL as uh, you had the New York Jets uh, at home with uh, not a win outright, but certainly a win against a number against Cincinnati as well. Yeah, it does the same thing for the NFL. It gives you a projected box score for each game and then the overall forecast. 
Uh, so, I mean, it, if, you, if you're interested in just college, which I got a feeling a lot of our podcast guys out here are, you can get just yep. the college. But if you have an interest in the NFL, that's in there, too. And uh, yeah, I put time into the NFL. We get to we do a pretty good job on that. And, uh, you know, by the one, one quick note, Michael, a lot of folks don't even know we put out an NFL preview. If you call the office right now at 866-918-7711, that's 866-918-7711, you can order the NFL preview. We'll get it out in the mail to you today. Beautiful, and uh, that's something that you're going to want to have as this as this football season rolls on. We are strong as steel. Delighted to have you a part of it. Uh, we've got availability for you, but lines are uh, starting to jam up quickly. So give us a shout, uh, chat. We have coming up now on the show. Don't go anywhere. Phil mentioned at the top. We've got four top 25 matchups this weekend that are going to be very tasty on our college football week three menu that we're going to dive into. 646-668-2248. On Twitter, you can do it as well, at Phil Steele, S-T-E-E-L-E-042, at Michael Regai, R-E-G-H-I, and also uh, at uh, Jim Nabosna, our producer of the show today. Phil, uh, a little bit later on, one of those four we're going to discuss, of course, is uh, the big ACC battle, Florida State and Louisville. But I want to get your thoughts. You know, you and I have talked about uh, a lot of the tremendously gifted quarterbacks that we have all over the college football landscape. But we hadn't really gotten into Louisville's Lamar Jackson. Now, we know Bobby Petrino's offense is one that he's a terrific offensive mind, can be diverse. But, Phil, are, are you surprised with the way uh, that Jackson has been able to assimilate to Petrino's pass game and throw the football so very well in uh, the first two Louisville wins? Well, you know, he had his moments last year. Now, there were a couple of games where Jackson last year was a little inconsistent throwing the football. Uh, you go back to the Kentucky game, for example. He only had eight of 21 passes last year. A couple other games he struggled throwing the ball. And then there was those spots where you said, wow, look at this guy. I remember the Florida State game he threw for 300 and some odd yards. And then, of course, the bowl game where he put on that tremendous performance, uh, running for 226 yards, passing for 227. And I said, wow, if he plays like he did in the bowl game all year, this guy's a legitimate Heisman candidate. And he's done just that so far in the first two games. Now, granted, He's played Charlotte, which had a tough time tackling him. They'd have a player lined up at linebacker, and he would just fake him out of his socks and be gone or just bowl right over him. And then the Syracuse game as well. You know, Syracuse not known necessarily for their defense, and uh, they put up some big points there. This is going to be the true test. Uh, Jackson's already got 13 touchdowns this year. He's thrown for 697 yards. He's run for another 300. He's a dynamic athlete, great speed. Now he's taking on a team with that team speed. Florida State's going to be missing Derwin James at safety. That might be an advantage to Jackson as well. But we're going to find out a little bit, a lot more about Lamar Jackson against this defense this week. And uh, we'll find out if he's a legitimate Heisman contender. Yeah, that is no question about that. And uh, looked uh, looked tremendous uh, against uh, Charlotte, who uh, just moved up from FCS. And, of course, uh, against Dino Babers and Syracuse. We are at 646-668-2248, 646-668-2248. Michael Regai with the, the uh, college football's uh, analyst that has no no peer, Phil Steele. is Phil Steele's college football preview, of course, has to be a regular, regular staple as you get ready for every college football season. And uh, as we said, make sure that you're locked in. Phil just described to you 
uh, how you can get inside all of his numbers and inside the press box at steelsweeklypreview.com. We have a lot of you that uh, certainly, and we love to get your questions on Twitter as well, at Phil Steele 042, at Michael Regai, at Jim Nabosna. A lot of you have done that this week. So, uh, Jimmy Boz, roll some of those out because there's a lot of intriguing thoughts on the mind of our uh, Strongest Steel podcast listeners. That there are, Michael. And the first one is from at Tommy Touchy. He would like to know, Pitt and Oklahoma State are both coming off emotional games. Do the Cowboys put last weekend behind them and come out firing? All right, Tommy. Uh, you know, when I look at this matchup, I think the situation greatly favors Oklahoma State. I love to take teams that are off a loss. Uh, it's always easier to get the players' attention when you're off a loss. They're at home again. It's almost a must-win situation for them early in the year. Uh, if they're going to be anywhere near the top of the Big 12, even though it's not a conference game. And with Pitt, they're coming off that big win at home against Penn State. Great to see that rivalry renewed, by the way. I used to love it uh, back when it was played. I thought it was one of the top ten rivalries out there. It's great to see it back. Great also to see James Conner back on the field. He's looking better every week. You know, The first week looked good. Last week looked even better. And I think he's going to continue to improve as the season goes on. They've got Nathan Peterman at QB. And uh, Narduzzi's defense playing pretty good as well. They're only allowing 64 yards per game rush and just two yards per carry. Oklahoma State's defense had problems last year. Stopping a run, not so much this year, only giving up 2.1 yards per carry. So you've got a couple of good defenses against the run, a couple of teams with good quarterbacks. Uh, Oklahoma State needs to establish a running game yet. Their offensive line not firing on all cylinders like Pitt's offensive line is. I think Pitt's a slightly better team, but Oklahoma State is at home in the better situation. Uh, I'm going to call for Oklahoma State to escape with a close win here, maybe by three points in this one. So I think it's right down to the wire. And uh, I, like, I like the underdog in this one, Pitt, because they're, uh, they're getting a lot of points in this one. But uh, I think Oklahoma State escapes with a close win. Thanks for the, the uh, tweet there, Tommy. Love the job Pat Narduzzi's doing with his his uh, Pitt Panthers. Phil, of course, we got to know him uh, uh, many years with Mark D'Antonio as the defensive coordinator at Michigan State. And, you know, I don't know. I just got a feeling that, uh, you know, I look at the schedule, sure, but uh, I, I got a feeling Narduzzi may, uh, when, when late November comes around Thanksgiving, uh, Pitt Panthers might uh, still be yelling as far as uh, the ACC and possible championship laurels go. Yeah, that division wide open, and, uh, you know, Pitt's a contender. Miami of Florida's a contender. You can't discount Georgia Tech. You still have to put North Carolina in there, even though they lost their opener mm. to Georgia. Uh, that's that's going to be a fun division to watch this year. All right, Jimmy Boz, let's uh, keep our uh, our Twitter aspect going here. Uh, again, on Twitter, at PhilSteel042, at Michael Regai, at Jim Nabosna, and, of course, make sure you uh, remember, keep this number down, too, 646-668-2248. That's how you join the show. Uh, let's uh, continue on in the, the Twitter world, Jim. Howard Ehrlich would like to know, what are your thoughts on Oregon taking down Nebraska? Well, you know, Oregon is a team that's way under the radar this year. Uh, picked third in their division after traditionally being picked first in the Pac-12 each year. I like what I saw to Dakota Prukop last week against Virginia. He had 21 to 31, 331 yards. They added 300 yards rushing in that game as well. And that came against uh, Bronco Mendenhall defense. Uh, they've got Royce Freeman, who's 
You know, everybody talks about all the top running backs in the country, but Royce Freeman doesn't generally enter the conversation. He should. He's averaging 9.2 yards per carry, got almost 300 yards rushing already. Defense still a little bit of a problem with the Ducks. You know, last year their defense uh, gave up 485 yards per game. They've improved that by about 100 yards, but they haven't really taken on a potent offense yet. Now, Nebraska, in the first game of the season, they ran the ball. They ran the ball in almost every play. 51 runs, just 13 attempts, and you're thinking, that's what they really need to do with Tommy Armstrong, a quarterback. But last week, they looked at the pass game a little bit. Armstrong threw the ball 35 times, threw for 400 yards against the Wyoming team that probably came in thinking, we need to stop the run to beat Nebraska. So Armstrong throw, showed them with their cast of receivers that they have, like Alonzo Moore, Jordan Westerkamp, Brandon Riley, Azigbo, uh, that we can throw the football as everybody knew they would. So I think this can be a very interesting, probably going to be towards the high-scoring side. Even though Nebraska's defense is playing well this year, giving up under 300 yards per game, it's tough to slow down that Oregon offense. Uh, Nebraska's offense should do some damage as well. Uh, I'm going to go with the better defense and the home team in this one. I'm going to call for Nebraska to pull out the win. It's not going to be easy. The Ducks are a dangerous team, but uh, I'm going to go with the home team in that one. Appreciate the uh, tweet there, Howard. That one's going to be fascinating, Phil, and I, I like the way you laid that out because um, I, I I was watching Scott Frost and um, his uh, Knights of UCF this week. They did the same thing this week. They go, they put eight in the box quite a bit, run blitzed a lot, and held down uh, Michigan's run game to only 120 yards. But, but Phil, the problem with that, uh, <laughs> Jim Harbaugh had Wilton Spate and all those terrific receivers uh, uh, running over the top of the uh, UCF secondary. Spate throws for four touchdown passes and 350 yards. So, you know, uh, as you laid that out, I mean, it's, you know, you – you you can do that, but you got to give some a little bit as well, and uh, sometimes it gets you beat on the back end. Absolutely, and uh, that was a fun game to watch, by the way. Yeah, no, it was. I, I enjoyed it. Uh, six six four six 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 eight twenty two forty eight. Four huge top twenty five matchups that Phil and I are going to dive into. But uh, right now, let's go to the. Uh, the great state of North Carolina. Here is Greg uh, with some thoughts on uh, ooh, a squad that almost, almost shocked everybody with an opening night win over Tennessee. Hi, Greg. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks for uh, having me. Welcome to the show, buddy. Go right ahead. How App State fare at home against the big boys of uh, Miami this weekend? All right, Greg. And, you know, as my buddy Michael pointed out, App State played a great opening game. You look at the, the talent on this team, it's one of the more veteran uh, teams in the country. Taylor Lamb at QB, he's been a starter there for about 10 years, it seems. Marcus Cox at running back. That's a dangerous offense. And defensively, practically the whole unit's back. And if you can hold Tennessee to 319 yards like they did, most of it was late, uh, you're doing a pretty good job. So, I mean, this is a very – Talented App State team, one that's probably going to win the Sun Belt. Now, Miami has suffered a little bit of attrition on its defense. A couple of key players uh, since I wrote the magazine are out for this, the year for uh, Miami of Florida. I'm talking about Alquidin Muhammad, their outstanding pass rushing defensive end. Uh, Jermaine Grace, the leading tackler from last year, a linebacker. Both those guys out for the year. I think overall that's going to hurt them, but they still have some talent. You look at that run game. Last week they had three guys top 100 yards rushing. Mark Walton has really emerged, but they've got Walton, Yearby, and Edwards, a three-headed monster at tailback. And then when I talked to the NFL guys this year, uh, everybody brought up the name Brad Kaya, and he's actually the number two quarterback for next year's draft. 
He's got a, a decent, not overwhelming receiving core. He doesn't have the receiving core of some of the big quarterbacks out there, but he's got a decent enough receiving core, and he's a guy that can throw guys open during the course of the game. This is supposed to be almost like a Super Bowl for App State. I think it's going to be a complete sellout. Fans are going to be wild. They're going to have parachute the game ball in. It's going to be a great setting. Uh, I'm going to call for Miami to go in there and escape with the win. I'm going to call for Miami to win this one by a touchdown, but I think App State gives them everything they want the entire year, and really, if you're looking for the favorite to win the Sun Belt this year, you have to go with App State at uh, this particular time, and uh, love the question, by the way, Greg. Love talking about teams like App State. I'll talk about teams from any conference out there, and so hopefully we get some of the listeners in here talking about some of those games off the radar. Me and Michael will cover all those games on the radar this year. Thanks for the call. Phil, I tell you what, you know, you you just kind of touched on it, and uh, the the environment. Uh, I, I've called games uh, at App State in Boone, North Carolina. It is a tremendous atmosphere, as we know. You know, they were uh, the the darling and probably the top team for about four or five years running when they were still in the FCS program. So I mean, no no greater place than I'd rather be this Saturday. That that should be wild, Phil. When uh, the uh, the Canes come into Boone, North Carolina, and I kind of agree with you too. I think that uh, you know App State has a great great shot to uh, reel that one in. Great to have all of you with us. We are as strong as steel here on uh, this third week podcast of the college football season. Give us a shout six like Greg just did. 646-668-2248. That's 646-668-2248. And uh, Phil and, uh, and I will give you the uh, the thoughts on uh, whatever may be on your mind in uh, this week's or the uh, the entire world of college football. Phil, we mentioned the uh, four top 25 that are going on this week. It kind of mirrors week one. Let's uh, start to under the Golden Dome when Mark D'Antonio, who said he had like that NFL bye week, Phil, right, in week two. They're sluggish, Michigan State sluggish, as they beat Furman on opening night in East Lansing. Offensively, it looked like they no longer had a three-year starting quarterback. Now they go and see uh, Brian Kelly in Notre Dame off that win over Nevada. Um is Deshaun Kaiser going to be the only quarterback that takes snaps for Notre Dame this week? He should be. Uh, I think he definitely should be the only quarterback that takes snaps. Uh, and to me, he's a guy that I love the way he throws the football. He's a dangerous runner. And there was all these big question marks when it came to Notre Dame uh, coming into the season about uh, the receiving core. But Equinomius mm-hmm. St. Brown has really established. Uh, he's been a big-time threat, 11 catches, 160 yards already, and uh, I love that. And, you know, this matchup this weekend, Michael, when I look at it, uh, you know, this is one of those I talk about my computer's projection, and sometimes yeah. I disagree with it. You know, I remember last year as Michigan State and Michigan, my computer was saying, hey, Michigan should win this game by 14 points. And I'm like, eh, I don't know, not so fast. Uh, you know, Michigan State's a team that just plays better as an underdog. And here's a record for you. In the last in the last uh, four years, they've been an underdog ten times or eleven times. They've gone nine and two against the spread, and they've got seven outright upsets. They play their best ball when you don't give them a chance. And right now, Notre Dame is, 
you know, everybody's thinking they're going to win. They're an eight-point favorite in this one. This is where Michigan State gets dangerous. And here's what I like about the Spartans this year. Defensively, I think they're going to have one of D'Antonio's better defenses. Uh, you know, at Furman, they only allowed 226. That didn't show you a lot. We're going to learn a lot about them here. But at, remember last year, the secondary was all banged up heading into the season. Then, uh, you know, they even lost their top guy to injury prior to the year. Uh, in Copeland. Well, he's back. The secondary's in much better shape. They may get Ed Davis back for this, and Davis is a guy who mm-hmm. two years ago, the NFL guys were saying, it's one of the top linebackers in the game, and uh, then Davis got injured and was out for the year. There's a possibility he could return. They've got Malik McDowell and Raekwon McMillan's up front. It's a very good defense. And offensively, I think Tyler Connor is a guy that already engineered an upset of Ohio State on the road. He's capable of going into Notre Dame and coming away with a, a possible victory here. L.J. Scott Eh, had an okay start. I think you're going to see him really play a little bit better here. And Michigan State's just the type of team where when you make them an underdog, say they can't win, they put that chip on their shoulder and they play their best game. Now, when I look at Notre Dame, if you're looking for potential national title contenders, they're still in the mix. They're going to probably be favored in all the rest of their games this year. They've got Josh Adams and Terry and Folson in the running backs. Uh, Kaiser, as you mentioned, at quarterback. And their defense, uh, I, I know they gave up 517 to Texas, but I think they could play pretty good. So this is a great matchup. My computer's saying Notre Dame should win this thing by 14 to 17 points. I'm going to say it's going to be your typical Michigan State-Notre Dame game, which means down to the wire, decided by three to four points somewhere along the line. I think it's going to be a real fun game to watch this weekend. Yeah, no question about that. Uh, always is. We not, rivalry has uh, has stayed intact and it's, I think it's one that, uh, that everybody, uh, certainly around the Midwest at least, points to in the month of September. I'll be fascinated to see how uh, Tyler O'Connor, um, I don't want to say rebound, Phil, but uh, shows after uh, the, the sluggishness of the Furman opener uh, how he quarterbacks in his second game on this kind of stage. But uh, I agree with you about, uh, about uh, Michigan State defensively. They're always, uh, D'Antonio defense always going to keep them in the football game. 646-668-2248. That's how you get a hold of us uh, on Strong as Steel. Uh, as we said, uh, plenty of uh, outstanding top 25 matchups this week. Don't forget, uh, if you want to be inside Phil's numbers and have an edge each and every week, uh, make sure you get inside the press box. You do that at steelsweeklypreview.com. And uh, Steel is uh, is off to a strong start with those numbers as uh, Phil's going 9-3 and three on the college side the first couple of weeks. Um, Chad Kelly and Ole Miss, they uh, they opened up at Florida State, as we know, uh, had a first-half lead, had everything rolling for them, and then they got hammered by Jimbo Fisher's squad. They welcome the top team in the land. I don't know if uh, Nick Saban's done uh, scolding Lane Kiffin as of yet. Phil, who knows? That might have went out throughout the course of the week. But uh, also very, very intriguing do the Rebs have enough to not only shock Saban, but do they have enough to um, certainly uh, put a, a big surprise through the college football world against Alabama this week? Well, they've done it each of the last two years. And, you know, the thing that impressed me in that Ole Miss versus uh, Florida State game in the opener was the Ole Miss defensive line. I mean, that's a pretty good Florida State offensive line. I thought they created some pressure. They only gave up 3.9 yards per carry. You didn't see Dalvin Cook breaking off those 70, 80-yard runs you're used to getting. 
And I thought they got good pressure on the redshirt freshman quarterback, three sacks for the game overall. Uh, they've got players like Marquise Haynes at defensive end, Tony Connor at the Husky position. Unfortunately, they did lose one of their best defensive players in Kadarius Webster at cornerback. I thought he was their shutdown corner. He got injured about the second quarter uh, of that game, and uh, it's a little bit of a concern to me. Now, offensively, you know, when I look at Ole Miss, the offensive line is my biggest question here. How are they going to match up against that Alabama defensive line? You remember Alabama, they're always great at the line of scrimmage. In the opener, they took on a young USC defensive line. And, you know, a lot of folks, it was a blowout game, 52-6. to But at the half, it was only 17-3. to They only had a 142-93 yard edge. So they weren't dominant in the first half, and they just steamrolled them in the second half. Here, I wonder how that Ole Miss offensive line is going to protect Chad Kelly. Because if you give Chad Kelly time, He's got the receivers. Evan Ingram, one of the best tight ends in the country. They've got Stringfellow, Adeboisio, plenty of talent at the receiving core. Uh, still trying to establish the run, but Akeem Judd is a guy that's averaging 5.7 yards per carry. They've got some talent back there, but can the offensive line provide the protection? On the flip side of the coin, I thought Alabama's offensive line struggled last week against Western Kentucky. Didn't really open up those gaping holes. Maybe it was one of those things where Western Kentucky sold out a little bit against the run, and that's why Alabama threw for 351 yards last week. But Damian Harris was my guy, was my sleeper pick for the Heisman. Everybody was talking about Bo Scarborough. I said, Harris is going to be the leading rusher on the team. So far, he's got 183 yards, 9.2 yards per carry. They've got the mobile quarterback now in Jalen Hurts. I don't think Jalen Hurts is as uh, polished a passer as DeAndre Francois is, but he is as dangerous of a runner. And I think if you're geared to stop that Alabama run game, Hurts can connect on some uh, solid passes down the field. So I, th- I think it's a good game. I think that Alabama is going to come in definitely loaded in the revenge mind. And here's the other factor that has me slanting towards the Alabama Crimson Tide in this one, Michael. And that is there's certain games during the year they get up for, you know, like when they're made an underdog or mm-hmm. when they go on the when they go on the road into a, a hostile opponent's stadium. Now, the last time they lost on the road was Ole Miss. And since then they've taken on four ranked foes on the road They've won those games by an average of 32 to 10. So they get fired up. They know they're going to get this opponent's best, and that's when they play their best ball. I'm going to call for Alabama to play their best ball here and uh, win this one by a couple of touchdowns. I like the Tide. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Of course, uh, last time they uh, they ventured into Oxford, it was Bill. You mentioned it two years ago. They got beat by uh, by six, 23-17. Then, of course. Uh, also got into that wild one in Tuscaloosa last year. So Alabama hasn't uh, been on the right side uh, against uh, Hugh Freeze and Old Miss since back in 2013 when they had that 25 to nothing shutout. So also one that is very, very intriguing. Uh, you know, Phil, every week we look at games, and we invite you to join us uh, here on the show. You can do that very easily at 646-668-2248. Phil, uh, so we look at games, and uh, we say that ah, this one is this one's one-sided. This one uh, should be the, the favorite team, should roll in it. But uh, as we know, each and every week, as it's almost like every college football weekend of playoff games, uh, uh, week in and week out, who do you see this week that possibly, possibly might have a tougher time than everybody expects? Uh, who might be on upset alert this week, Phil? Well, let's take a look at it. And interestingly, our callers today, we're talking about Sky and Jeff, uh, Greg. These are all guys that touched on games that made my list, believe it or not. Uh, you know, you look at a team like Miami of Florida, 
they come into this game ranked uh, at number 25 in the country. App State not ranked. Miami and Florida better be careful there. That's a dangerous App State team. They are fired up. It's going to be their Super Bowl game. Like I said, Miami and Florida's defense took a few hits, so watch out for that one. Texas A&M comes in a ranked team. Now, they are the underdog in the game, actually, but still they're a ranked team taking on an unranked Auburn. They better be on upset alert. And then the Houston Cougars, as we touched on, Coming up on Thursday, I think the Cincinnati team is better than a lot of folks give them credit for, and since he played them to the wire last year. And then the, the other one I'm going to look at here, though, Michael, is one we haven't touched on yet. And uh, I'm going to take a look at the Georgia and Missouri game this week. Now, Georgia's a team that's very impressive in the opener against North Carolina, especially in the second half. They, they trailed North Carolina, uh, but then they rallied and, and looked dominant down the stretch. Nick Chubb. The, I had question marks coming into the season. Is Nick Chubb coming off that ACL going to be 100%? 302 yards later, 5.8 yards per carry. And watching him run, yeah, he's going to be 100%. And Jacob Eason's got the arm to make any throw out there. Grayson Lambert's a veteran. They're still trying to decide who their starting quarterback is going to be. I think you go with Eason and let him roll. Uh, and the last time they came to Missouri, they did win handily. It was, a, it was one of those inside-the-press-box plays two years ago. They had lost their starting running back. They were going to have to rely on the freshman, Nick Chubb, at running back. And uh, I like Georgia a lot in that game. They were like a, a, I think they were almost the underdog coming into it, and they beat Missouri 34 nothing. But I'm going to go back to last year's game. I thought Georgia was a better team. Uh, probably should have handled Missouri. Missouri's in the middle of a losing season. Georgia's in the middle of a 10-win season. Yet they only got past Missouri 9-6. That Missouri defense played pretty well. And when you look at Missouri this year, they've got their defense coordinators now, their head coach and Barry Odom. Uh, they've got good personnel on the defensive side of the ball. And offensively, I said Drew Locke was going to be one of the most improved quarterbacks in the country. Now, in the opening game of the season against West Virginia, he didn't look that great. Last week against Eastern Michigan, looked pretty good. Threw for 477 yards. He's got the arm that can make almost any throw on the field. One of the higher-rated quarterbacks coming out of high school. And last year, Drew Locke in his games uh, hit just 49%. He had four touchdown passes and eight interceptions. This year, he's thrown six touchdowns, no interceptions. There's, they've got Alex Ross, the Oklahoma transfer, uh, at the running back spot. They've got the Alabama transfer, at wide receiver, and Chris Black. I think you're going to see that offense get better and better each week. They're going to be fired up. They're at home for this one. Uh, and Georgia's a team making their first uh, true road trip. The first one, they had the crowd edge against North Carolina. Then they played Nichols last week. So I think Georgia better be on upset alert this week because this is a Missouri team that's under the radar, and Drew Locke is going to have a much better season than anyone expects, especially after the way he looked last year. Ooh, that wouldn't make <laughs> that bring the heat on Kirby Smart, uh, you know, between those hedges in Athens if – if that shakes out uh, that way, as Phil describes. One we will definitely keep our eye on. Our producer, Jim Nabosna, with uh, upsets in his mind and your mind in the uh, the world of Twitter as well. Jimmy, uh, what else are we hearing uh, from Twitter regarding uh, possible big squads that uh, could face problems this week? So Bo Hayward, at Bo Hayward, wants to know if there is any chance for Colorado to go in and beat Michigan at the big house. <laughs> uh, you know, it seems, seems like it, it'd be a funny scenario, doesn't it? But watch out for this Mike McIntyre squad this year because uh, I like what I see. You know, defensively, this team is getting after it. Their first two games, not granted, the competition has not been great. Colorado State, though, was a bowl team last year. They're, they held them to 225 total yards, 12 first downs. 
Idaho State, 96 yards. When I talked to Coach McIntyre this summer, or actually it was this spring I talked to him, uh, we went over that team. This is a junior-senior-laden team. Remember the job he did at San Jose State? He went in there that mm-hmm. first year, and it was a massive rebuilding project. He was playing players on both sides of the ball uh, because they were in such a rebuild mode. But by that third year, all of a sudden San Jose State was a pretty good team, and they finished uh, that year not only in a bowl game, but they went from one win to five wins to 11 wins. And I've been very impressed with Colorado. Colorado's run game has looked good this year with Philip Lindsay and uh, Leifau coming back from quarterback. His era's injury question marks coming in. It was thought Davis Webb was going to come in here and transfer, take the job, and Leifau was going to redshirt the year. He looks great. He's hitting 74% of his passes. He's run for 120 yards. They're not going to have as easy a time as they've had the first two games. They're averaging 588 <laughs> yards per game, but they're taking on that Michigan defense right now, which is one of yeah. the best ones in the country. But I think that Colorado defense is going to keep them in the game here this week. So I'm looking for Colorado to hang around, and I think their defense can slow Michigan's offense down. And uh, I'm not talking about upset here, but uh, I think they're going to make a game of it. So uh, watch out for the Buffaloes this week and be prepared to be impressed with their defense this week. Appreciate the uh, tweet there, Bo. We'll keep an eye on that, Phil. I'm glad you clarified that and said you weren't calling for the outright upset. But, uh, you know, I'll be interested to see it, too. I watched a little bit of uh, Colorado and uh, Colorado State. Last week, I, I, I kind of have to throw out a bit because of the uh, the competition. But I do like Mike McIntyre. I'm with you. And uh, and what he uh, can potentially accomplish. Let's stay on that vein. We've talked a lot about Butch Jones this year. And some of the experts, Phil put him in his top ten as the season began. And some of the expectation level that uh, was being generated in Knoxville around Rocky Top, those Tennessee Volunteers. Jim, uh, we have the Twitter world with some thoughts on uh, they uh, hosting Frank Solich in Ohio this week, huh? Yes, Dustin Joyer has another question about a large upset. Uh, do, uh, Do the Ohio Bobcats have enough to hang around with Tennessee? Uh this a, that's a great question. You know, in the opener, Ohio got upset by Texas State. I think there was a game where they had in control and then sort of blew it at the end of the game. But last week they looked very impressive against Kansas. In fact, they had a 359 to 21-yard edge. Uh, Greg Windham's looked pretty good at the quarterback spot so far. They maybe without H. A. Olet again. He got injured on the second series of the opening game. He was their top running back from last year. Missed all of last week. May miss this one. But I do like the situation here for Ohio to be able to hang with Tennessee. And here's why: uh, Tennessee, first of all, is going to come in better prepared than they were for App State. So I don't think you're going to see them uh, come out of the gate slowly like they have the first two weeks. So it's, it will be a good first half for Tennessee. But in the second half, look at what Tennessee's got on deck. They just came off of playing in front of a hundred. 50,000 people in Bristol. They've got Florida, Georgia, A&M, and Alabama in the next four weeks. I'm going to take Joshua Dobbs, who in my offense runs best with Joshua Dobbs running the football. I'm not going to have him run so much this week, and I'm sure as heck going to have him out of the game later on because I want to keep him healthy for that gauntlet that's on the horizon for Tennessee. So I think Ohio can keep keep it competitive in the second half and uh, and make a game. And Frank Solich, one of the more underrated head coaches out there. I think he does one of the great jobs. He's his offense corner, defense corner, the same guys have followed him, uh, you know, all, since Nebraska. 
and I think they do an incredible job. Uh, this is a, a good Ohio team that I think is going to make it closer than expected this week, but uh, I don't think Tennessee has to worry about being on upset alert. Thanks for the tweet there, Dustin. And Michael, we got some big games we got to hit in these final 50 Yes, minutes. we definitely do. You're right on point uh, regarding uh, – Regarding Frank Solich, though, a true gem that we have in, in college football. Phil just talked to him a, a week or so ago. and Remember now, he knows Butch Jones very well. They played against one another when Butch was the head coach of Central Michigan, so it should be intriguing. 646-668-2248 is the number to call. Let's, uh, let's grab this here. As uh, you know, Phil, uh, all of our uh, Mid-American Conference fans and non-Power Fives, too, they have thoughts on uh, what might transpire with the, with their squads. Uh, let's uh, check this one out uh, as well as uh, we, we hear that from Jimmy. You got something with regard to that? Yes. Josh Jag would like to know, do you think Eastern Michigan will take out Charlotte this weekend? You know, uh, the the funny thing here is that Eastern Michigan's actually uh, favored to win this game on the road, which surprised me a little bit because, uh, you know, I personally thought when you look at Charlotte, they've got a quarterback in Kevin Olson who uh, was one of the top quarterbacks out of high school. He's having a pretty decent year. He's hitting 65% of his passes. He's got a 4-0 ratio against Elon last week. They look great. Now, in their opener, they struggled against Louisville. But, uh, you know, if Robert Washington, who, by the way, Robert Washington's a guy, a running back, who when Syracuse was recruiting him, they offered him the number 44 at Syracuse. Now, you know what that means. That's mm. Floyd Little, Jim oh, Brown, my. all those guys. That's, a, that's yeah. a pretty big offer. So he's a good running back. I'll just say that. They've got Austin Duke at uh, receiver. He's a guy that's going to be a record setter uh, for Charlotte. But, of course, Charlotte's a brand-new program. Now, when I look at Eastern Michigan, I think they're going to finish out of the basement in the MAC West this year. I, I think that they've got enough talent. They did lose a couple of key guys on defense. I like the way Todd Porter's been throwing the ball. Uh, he's hit 57% of his passes. They've got Shaq Van and Erickson at the running back spot. So it's a good Eastern Michigan team, but I think Charlotte's on par with them. And while they don't have a great home field edge, let's face it, they don't draw a lot of fans there. Uh, I think Charlotte probably ends up winning that one at home. So I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Charlotte to pull the upset there and uh, against Eastern Michigan. Appreciate the uh, tweet there, Dustin. As we mentioned, you can get all this information, too. Uh, Phil's off to a real, real hot beginning in the first couple of weeks. Uh, if you want all the inside numbers, check out SteelsWeeklyPreview.com. You can get right inside the press box with Phil and all his numbers as well. Phil, you mentioned uh, two other big ones in the top 25. ESPN's College Game Day going to go to Louisville this weekend as Bobby Petrino welcomes in Jimbo Fisher and Florida State, a lot of folks think that Petrino is going to be able to do enough offensively to get the best of Fisher. Uh, how do you see that one this week with so much attention on it? Well, as you know, Michael, I uh, picked Florida State to win the national title this yeah. year. So let me let me yeah, uh, put it out there that I'm a little nervous heading into this weekend's <laughs> game because I've watched Louisville's first two games and they've looked dynamic with Lamar Jackson at quarterback. The defense has looked good. That you know Devontae Fields, they are loaded with talent on the Louisville side and have looked great this year. They're fired up. They're at home. And I remember, uh, you know, you look at the, this uh, this matchup. Uh, you go back two years ago. Jameis Winston and company came in here, or three years ago when Winston came in, two years ago. They were down big at the half. It sure looked like Louisville was going to be on its way to an, an upset in 2014. Uh, and then uh, Florida State was able to manage a big comeback after trailing at the half. 
and won the game 41 to 21. Now last year at home, once again, Florida State was down at the half, seven to six, but they rolled back for a 41-21 win. Uh, I don't think Louisville's taken on this type of defense yet. Well, I know they haven't. And the same thing with Florida State. I mean, they did take on a very good Mississippi team in the opener. Didn't look great in the first half, but played much better in the second half. I still feel Florida State's a better team overall. And while Louisville's a very good team, and we'll give them a great game, and that first half should be great again, I think in the end Florida State might have a little too much depth. I'd I'd like to have Derwin James out there free safety. He's not. But I love the way DeAndre Francois throws the football, a highly confident QB. Delvin Cook should break a couple of runs here. I'm going to call for Florida State to go on the road and come away with the win. And uh, I'm a little nervous about it. Like I said, I've got Florida State to win the title. (laughs) But uh, I I do think in the end Florida State does get the victory here. I'm with you, Phil. And under those conditions uh, with Florida State as – as your national champion, I, I completely understand. Your, I know you'll be watching this very intently. That's a noon start as well on Saturday, isn't it, out of Louisville? I believe yeah, it's a these, noon kickoff. Yeah. Most of these big games are at night, Michael, so this is the one right. everybody's going to be watching because it's pretty much by itself at the big games at noon. And then another one that everybody will be watching, and I think a fascinating, fascinating game. And we know – uh, what Norman, Oklahoma's night uh, is like on a Saturday night, and uh, Bob Stoops will uh, see if his Sooners can. Uh, you know, they of course uh, had Louisiana Monroe last week, but uh, thoughts in their mind of two weeks ago when they got uh, ambushed uh, in Houston uh, by the uh, the Houston Cougars and Tom Herman. So Phil, here comes now the third-ranked Ohio State Buckeyes, a very very young football team. Uh, my feeling is, h- how will the Ohio State, and they've been terrific in the first two weeks uh, against Bowling Green and against Tulsa, how will the Ohio State very youthful defense hold up against you know what could be uh, a Baker Mayfield and Samaje P. Ryan, Joe Mixon uh, onslaught from uh, Bob Stoops' football team? How do you see this unfolding Saturday in Norman? Well, you know, I'll be honest with you, Michael. If this was the end of the year, from what I've seen so far of the two teams and the overall talent and personnel that they have, uh, I'd probably lean with Ohio State towards the end of the year uh, because I like what I see. And I think at the end of the year, Ohio State clearly going to be one of the best teams in the country. And uh, But here's the reason that I'm actually going to side with the home underdog here. First of all, it's pretty rare when Oklahoma's a home dog. You know, Bob Stoops is 96-8 and eight at home. Last time he's been a home underdog, 2000. That year, by the way, they knocked mm. off number one. It's a long time. Uh, that wow. year they knocked they knocked off number one Nebraska. And Oklahoma's back is to the wall. I mean, they lost to Houston in the opener. Yeah, they could still make the playoffs, especially and if they win this game, they're going to be favored in all the rest of their games this year. All of a sudden, an 11 and one Oklahoma at the end of the year could very easily make the playoffs. So their season's still alive, but lose this game and forget about it. They're done. They're not going to make the playoffs. So the back is to the wall. They're a veteran team. Remember that opener against Houston? Mixon and P. Ryan combined for a total of 12 carries. Now, I remember last year when Oklahoma struggled early in the year. They didn't run the ball enough, and it didn't have that balance. And after they lost to Texas, all of a sudden they said, we're going to run the ball. Last week they pounded the ball 46 times. I think you'll see a little more Mixon and P. Ryan this week. And they've got the veteran quarterback in Baker Mayfield as well. And that defense is better than it showed against Houston. They've got a lot of talent in it. With Ohio State, I'm a little concerned about the fact that it was the middle of the third quarter before they scored an offensive touchdown last weekend. That was against Tulsa. Tulsa and Bowling Green's defenses do not compare to Oklahoma. Both those tests were at home. I think Urban Meyer was getting his team 
ready for this contest by giving them a full game plan and letting them go full out for this one. But now it's the first road test for the youngest team in the country. They're number 128 out of 128 in terms of experience going on the road. It's the first time they've had the crowd going against them. And like I said, it's going to be a fired-up Oklahoma crowd as well. So I like the situation for Oklahoma, desperate team at home versus a young team making its first road trip. And I do like the talent, especially with them running the football a little bit more. I think they stay with the run game here. And I like Oklahoma to pull the upset here at home uh, in this one. Intriguing, because as we know, I mean, uh, no one seems to be better in going on the road, galvanizing his football team in big environments and having them play at a high level than Urban Meyer, Phil. I mean, he's, he's show, he did that at, he did it at Bowling Green, he did it at Utah, Florida, and now, of course, uh, at Ohio State as well. I, I just think he's one of the best big game coaches that we have uh, in, the, in the game, in the college football landscape. Yeah, and like I said, with that fact, that if this was later in the year and this was not Ohio State's first road game, and they had been to places like Wisconsin, Penn State already, uh, for example, when Ohio State travels to Michigan State at the end of the year, there'll be a veteran grizzled ball club by that time. I think there'll be a much different team. And you got to love the talent Ohio State has. You can look at all the recruiting classes they've been bringing in. There's a lot of talent throughout. Yep, no, no doubt about it. So it should be one that, uh, right, well, look, all four of them that we mentioned here the, that involve top 25s should be uh, just absolutely uh, very, very uh, fun to watch, a lot of intrigue to them uh, as, as well. Uh, 646-668-2248. Michael Regai with Phil Steele. Uh, Phil, why don't you, in the, in the time we have left, why don't you one more time let everybody know how they get inside uh, all of your game breakdowns, inside the numbers at steelsweeklypreview.com. Yeah, just head over to steelsweeklypreview.com. It's a, it's a great website, got a lot of information, lets you see what it's all about. But like I said, the main thing is you get the, the newsletter inside the press box. It gives you my computer's forecast on the game, which I consider vital when you're uh, looking at the games of the week. Projected box score, rushing, passing points. And uh, really, I don't make a forecast without at least looking at it. Don't always agree with my computer, and you'll get that in the newsletter. I'll say, hey, this game I don't agree with my computer. This game I agree with it 100%. But uh, it's a great newsletter. It's off to a great start, 10-3 and 3 so far this year. And uh, hopefully it, it should roll on uh, during the course of the year. So check it out, steelsweeklypreview.com. By the way, if you put in the promo code STEEL, that's promo code STEEL, uh, you will get $20 off the subscription price and $30 off the package price. But mm. you definitely have to log in that uh, the uh, promo code to get that rate on there. So once again, the promo code is STEEL, S-T-E-E-L-E, and you'll be able to get those discounts on the uh, package. Let's head way out to uh, San Francisco, California, to wind it up on this edition of uh, Strong as Steel, and we welcome... Uh, Issa into the show with uh, some thoughts about what might be going on in Boone, North Carolina this week. We touched on it earlier, but Issa, go ahead from Frisco with Phil Steele. Hey, Phil, how you doing? Huge fan of yours. Follow all your work, and uh, thanks for taking my call. I know you guys are wrapping up. I, I probably missed it, but I'm a huge Miami Hurricane fan, and uh looks like just wanted to get your thoughts on them in this game this week and the thoughts on uh, University of Miami going forward. All right, appreciate it, Ethan. I appreciate you calling from San Francisco. Just did a uh, radio show out there at KNBR, so uh, enjoy it. Enjoy that city a lot. Uh, when when I look at this particular matchup, uh, Issa, 
I see a Miami of Florida team is very dangerous. They've lost a couple of key players, as mentioned earlier in the podcast, uh, on the defensive side of the ball, but they still have Brad Kaya. They've got a three-headed monster at tailback, and I think Miami's going to be the team that's in the ACC title game this year for the first time. Uh, Mark Richt has inherited a great situation. It's going to have to be careful here. They should be on upset alert. It's going to be a Super Bowl for Appalachian, Appalachian State. Uh, they're a team that's uh, at home. They're going to have parachutists flying in. The crowd's going to be great. Uh, Taylor Lamb at QB, Marcus Cox at running back. They already showed they could stay in toe-to-toe with Tennessee. I think it's going to be a great game, but I am going to call for Miami to escape with a seven-point win there. So uh, I think you'll be happy at the end of this one. It's going to be a nervous game for you, Issa, because uh, it's going to be a close, tight one, and App State's going to have a, a great crowd. But uh, I do think Miami prevails by a touchdown. Appreciate the call. We're going to have a tremendous college football weekend. Phil, the hour just flies by, but uh, terrific with uh, your assessments, uh, not only the four uh, in the uh, top 25, they're going head-to-head, but also the some of those that uh, might have to be wary about being on upset alert as well. A lot of fun, Phil, as always. We'll make sure we're uh, on philsteel.com and uh, get inside the press box at steelsweeklypreview.com. And uh, we'll, we'll uh, have this weekend to watch and come back and do it again next week. Hey, you know, one thing I want to point out, if you're listening in right now on the podcast, and uh, I know a lot of folks listen to the podcast after the call-in, and and everybody's probably at work, so it's tough to get a lot of calls in on the line, but I love talking about those games that are not on, not nobody's talking about. I mean, all week long, I'm going to do all my radio, TV shows. We're going to talk about all the big games, but I'd love it if some callers would call in. Let's talk some Sunbelt, talk some Mac, talk some CUSA games next week because uh, I love touching on them all. We'll touch the big games, me and Michael will, but get those calls coming in next week uh, and uh, we'll take them in and let's touch on some of the smaller games out there too because I love talking about those and uh, I hope we get a lot of that on the podcast next week. And Michael, like you said, I can't believe that the hours over already. It was a lot of fun. Follow me on Twitter at PhilSeal042 and uh, get ready to watch your sets. By the way, if you follow me on Twitter, I have 12 TVs I'm watching every Saturday. I tweet those pictures out. So you'll see a picture of the 12 o'clock games, the 3.30 games. On Sunday, you'll see a picture of the uh, the 9 nine or 10 NFL games going on at a time. You just get an idea of the setup we got going on over here. But uh, a lot of fun doing the podcast with you again today, Michael. As always, Phil, and uh, have a tremendous college football weekend, uh, each and every one of you, and we'll look for you right back here uh, next week. Uh, stay on Twitter, with, uh, as Phil just said, and you'll, you'll know exactly where we are and how you can be strong as steel with us. Now for Phil Steele, the preeminent analyst at college football, and our producer Jim Nabosna, great to have all of you in touch. We'll keep uh, gaining momentum as we go forward on Strong as Steel. I'm Michael Regai. We'll talk to you next week, everybody. Have a tremendous college football weekend. So long. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.